Well, if we take note of our first reading in our gospel, we see a connecting link in the disease of leprosy. We've got this leprosy being talked about in Leviticus, and we have also a a leprous individual, a leper, come to our Lord in the gospel from Mark. And as for our gospel scene, let us picture to ourselves uh, what's going on here. Imagine an emaciated, poverty-stricken man, severely disfigured in his body, his skin warped and deformed, his face utterly hideous to behold. He comes to Jesus and he kneels before him in the dirt, in the dust. And now Jesus, our Lord, he does not recoil in horror. He does not even avert his gaze from this ghastly sight. He looks the man straight in the eye. He looks upon him with compassion, with pity. Now, Jesus could have healed this man by simply saying the word, but instead he decides to heal him by stretching forth his hands and touching the hideous, ghastly image present before him. I suggest to all of you, my brothers and sisters, that what we have here in this meeting between Jesus and the leper is a a perfect symbol of the incarnation of our God. Just as Jesus stretched forth his hand and made contact with the repulsive flesh of this leper, so also our Lord in the Incarnation made contact with the sinful flesh of humanity. And just as Jesus looked down upon the hideous image of the leper and did not turn his gaze away from him, but still decided to touch him, So also from all eternity, the Son of God saw clearly the ugliness that he was going to have to encounter when he became man. What is this ugliness that he foresaw? Well, let us together travel in our imaginations to Gethsemane. Our Lord, that fateful night alone by himself, praying to the Father, confessed that his soul was sorrowful unto death. He suffered that night from a condition that's extremely rare, but has been documented medically. It's a condition whereby the upper surface of of the skin, is the upper layer separates from the layer below it, and the pocket fills with blood and as the person sweats the blood comes out of the sweat glands very rare condition caused by extreme extreme stress very rarely documented our Lord suffered that that night in Gethsemane and that condition made his skin incredibly sensitive and fragile as well which would make the scourging he was to receive the next morning all that much more painful. But that
that scourging was yet far off because between that scourging and the garden came the arrest, came the betrayal on the part of Judas, came the abandonment on the part of the twelve. He was brought before Caiaphas in the middle of the night. He was accused as a blasphemer, condemned as a blasphemer. He was blindfolded and hit in the head, pummeled repeatedly, mocked, thrown in a dungeon that night, a sleepless night. The next morning, pulled before a number of different courts, before Annas, before Herod, before Pilate, two and a half miles worth of walking around from one court to the other. Finally, he was condemned unjustly by Pilate. And that's when he was scourged. Now, the scourging at this time, we have to understand, it was standard protocol for every Roman crucifixion. And it was not meant, there were some scourges, some punishments whereby someone would be scourged and they were released. They were meant to live. This scourge was not inflicted with the thought that he was going to live. It was a scourging that was meant to bring him to the verge of death so that the cross would just be able to finish him off easily. And so he was scourged virtually to the point of death at least 40 times. And the flagellum, the Roman flagellum, consisted of a number of leather strips that had lead balls and pieces of animal bone woven into them. And as the, the person, the criminal who was being scourged, they would tie his hands to a pole naked and they would rip to shred his back, his, his buttocks, his legs. Sometimes they would turn him over and, and do the same on his chest. And the, after this, it would have been just ribbons of, of bloody flesh hanging from our Lord. He would have hardly been able to be a, a, a conscious at that point. And they took him from there about a third of the mile and made him carry his cross. Now it's possible he could have carried the cross beam, which would have been between 75 and 125 pounds, or he could have carried the entire cross as it's usually depicted in our pieces of artwork. And that would have been upwards of 300 pounds. And he, he would not have been able to carry it really in that condition, and that's why they needed Simon of Cyrene to come and help him. And when they came to Calvary, the place where he was to be crucified, they would have thrown him on the ground. Dirt would have been embedded in those wounds from the scourging. And they would have nailed his hands, his rights and his left hands, to that crossbeam. Probably modern historians and archaeologists think that it would not have been the, the palm itself, but more likely the wrist that the nail went through. And when the nail went through the wrist, it would have severed a very important nerve and artery and tendon that's, that goes right up in the middle of the wrist. And that would have uh, disabled the, the hands from functioning properly. And it, fiery pain would have shot through his arms because of the severing of that tendon. 
And then he would have been hoisted up on the upward beam and his feet would have been nailed right to the beam itself, right through the tops and into the wood. And the thing about crucifixion, it was really a torture of asphyxia. It was really, it was meant to cut off oxygen. Because as the body hung from the nails, as the weight of the body hung on the nails, the muscles in the chest made the lungs fixed in the position of inhalation. And so it was very hard to exhale. And the only way that the crucified man could exhale was by pushing up on the nails in his feet and pulling down on the nails in his wrists just to get a little bit of space so that he could exhale. And every time he wanted to breathe in and then out, he would have had to do the same motion over and over again. And our Lord hung on the cross in that manner between four to six hours. And even then, there would not have been enough oxygen that came to his got into his bloodstream and his blood would have been flowing out of his body and finally he would have expired as a result of no blood as a result of no oxygen and so the son of god foresaw this ugliness this leprosy from eternity And when he saw that ghastly image, it was not so much himself that he was seen, but us. All this ugliness was our ugliness. It was our sin and the hardness of our hearts and our lack of love and indifference that would cause all of this. We crucified Christ, you and I. We were the ones that crucified him. All this ugliness was our poverty and sickness and leprosy. And yet he still stretched forth his hand and he touched this leper. He still decided to become man and make contact with sinful flesh and suffer out of love for us. And in making contact with our ugliness through the Incarnation, He took our poverty and our leprosy and He gave us His riches and His health. He took our hard hearts and gave us hearts, human hearts, hearts of flesh. He restored to us the human image that sin had ravaged and disfigured. He made us whole again. He healed us. He made us able to love God and love our neighbor. And like the leper who was once alienated from God and from human society, but set free to worship again and rejoin his fellow human beings, so we, through the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, have been set free and brought back into communion with God and other human beings. This Ash Wednesday, let us begin our Lenten journey with our Lord. Let us accompany Him all the way to Mount Calvary. Let us give Him and our neighbor some consolation through our acts of penance and charity. And let us love our Lord and be thankful that this leper 
has been healed and made whole.